Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lara Anderson, and I am really glad you're here this week. And I'm looking forward to this conversation with Susie Solomon. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Lara. A lot of what I end up talking about in in, in these conversations is just family wellness, emotional health, behavioral health, <laughs> communication health. And and this is really, I'm excited to be able to dive a little bit deeper in there about um, ad- adult health, adult wellness, moms uh, prioritizing feeling good physically so that we can show up fully for our kids and ourselves, right? I mean, it's about, it's about all this. So so I always let guests just do a little bit of their own bio. How do we end up in this situation where we're talking about this? How does your story bring you to this place? Sure. So I am a pharmacist by training and I was struggling as a mom and a pharmacist. So I went to pharmacy school, did my residency fellowship, all, all of that, and was working and then had my kids and was struggling with work-life balance. And I didn't want to give up my career, but I wanted to still be a mom and be present for my children as well. Um, so a few years ago, I actually went and I started a group 
because they couldn't find, you know, I wanted to find support really. And the group I started was called the pharmacist moms group. And at the time I was just looking for support from other women who were pharmacists, who were moms, who might be able to, um, especially as my children were younger to help me just guide me, get, mentor me, figure, try to figure things out. And uh, it started and initially I invited about uh, 30 to 50 colleagues and friends and the group grew. And now we are large, the largest pharmacist group in the country. Huh. Yay. Yeah. So we're actually over um, 50,000 women members today in the, in the group. And so really just, it showed that there was a need for it as well, that there really wasn't anyone else out there and there, you know, women were looking for this need. And so my interest is really stemming on moms and motherhood and needing to take care of ourselves while we are moms. And then also looking into our careers and as a pharmacist, so a lot of touching on a lot of those areas that we often neglect when we're putting our children first or our careers first, and we're kind of putting ourselves on the back burner. Right. If you're trying to do, because we still really haven't, I mean, the universe hasn't adjusted in the ways that it needs to, to make it possible for us to have, right. you know, all right. the, there's a lot of change that needed to come along with shifting roles in families. And oftentimes it feels, you know, I agree as a working mom that, that, that we just took on more. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like more stress and all, and all of that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the, the, like, what do you see? One of the things we talked about quickly before we jumped in is like this, the term self-care gets tossed around a lot. And, and sometimes it is, is, um, I think it's just misunderstood in a way, right? Sometimes people feel guilty about taking it. They can, other folks contribute to that guilt. We know no one can make us feel anything, but certainly we catch comments. We notice ourselves apologizing, I think, sometimes for needing to put ourselves first. It's not something we're often trained to do uh, societally and in family. So how do you think about self-care when you hear the word self-care and when you all talk about it in your mom's groups? What is it? What does it mean to you? I think for me, it's something that we have to do. So it's not something that is a nice to do. It's something that we have to do. And just in my experience, I've seen the lack of preventative care, for example, that, uh, you know, just neglecting our routine checkups and preventative care. So we'll take our kids to their pediatrician, ensure that they're there. If our kids need a therapist, they'll be in therapy. But, you know, we're kind of always at at the end. Um, You know, I think their self-care is just more than just a massage or going to get your nails done or your hair done. I think there's a lot, a lot more that goes along with it. So um, just kind of prioritizing it and maintaining your health is critical. And I think, um, you know, sometimes we often overlook even mental health issues and, uh, you know, managing stress, how to manage stress or in, and just even organization. So we might have all of our kids immunizations in a book, but we might not have our immunizations. And it's like, wait, when did I last get my tetanus vaccine? Or when did I last have the, you know, all this and it's, you don't even have that. So we don't even have the system to organize our important healthcare documents and, and all of that, you know, as, as we're, we're mothers, you know, we have it for our kids again, or even for our spouses, but we might not have it for ourselves. That's really interesting when you said something that tangible as an example of that. Right. And I'm literally sitting here thinking, oh, right. Vaccine, like, you know, in terms of the, 
yeah, it's super to have it be that tangible an example, right? Like if you have a file for your spouse or, you know, what they're tracking or each of your kids has a, you know, drawer where everything is tracked and, you know, the timelines and then, and, and it just isn't something that preventative medical and overall health care that we just don't dentist check up. I mean, things like that, that I hear folks like, I'll get to it when I get to it, but somehow that falls off. And, and what is that? Yeah, it's really interesting in terms of, you know, how to help women continue to to see the the that it can sound hollow, but it's so genuine. The empty pitcher cannot pour. Like if we mm-hmm. if we don't have our health, then it can be extra tricky um, to have the wellness and the space to be able to to show up. And I love thinking about self-care as broader than I mean massages are great and if you're a person who does nails that's awesome too like like all that stuff is great but yeah taking that conversation to the next level around what would it mean to actually um be on top of preventative health and wellness so in addition to so we talked about vaccines we talked about checkups. The other thing I hear um a lot from busy moms is some, they know something's not right, but they haven't gone to check it out yet. So something changes in, in um, you know, stomach health or, I mean, there's all kinds of different, they're having symptoms of something and they just let it go, wondering if it'll go away or figuring they'll make time when they, when soccer camp comes around this summer <laughs> or when these yeah. other things Yeah, happen. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So again, it's like we're taking care of everyone else, but really we need to start to take care of ourselves. I think we just get really caught up in taking care of everyone else. And so you're right. We might forget even delay mammograms. I mean, there's women who will delay their mammogram appointment or delay just different preventative uh, care aspects. And I think that that's really you know, important. And I really do think the records are are critical as well, because recently, you know, I, I've encountered so many more parents who are like, you know, I think I had that vaccine or I think I did that. And, and they're just not, they're not really sure. So I, I think that that's part of self-care too, is remembering when is our next dentist appointment? When, when do we have that? Um, when do we need to get that next vaccine? Or are we, you know, are we fully vaccinated right now as adults too? Because there are um, currently six vaccines that are, are recommended for all adults. And not all of us are up to date on that. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I've often been I have, I will take full responsibility for. So I sit with folks as part of my practice and do a lot of thorough background history, right? Like when I'm getting to know a kid and their family from a mental health perspective, I have a lot of questions about, you know, what runs in the family? Have there been assessments before? When have you had therapy before? When did you do that? So I'm doing medical mental health histories, like broadly and weaving together a history. And earlier in my career, I was shocked at how many people were like, I don't remember. Do you remember? Was that where were we living or what grade was I? And at the time, I remember thinking, you know, I hope I track that. Like, this seems like important stuff to track. And and fast forward five years, 10 years, whatever. 
I'm mortified when I have to go in and do a history because life just happens, right? It does. And, yeah, and I'm somebody yeah. who, you know, I remember conversations and I pride myself on, on having a good memory and being kind of organized. And I sit there and I just think I was allergic to what now? Oh, it was that thing I took after. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. so bad in terms of as a, as a person who likes to think I function fairly well, there are some key pieces that if I did really sit down, take the dedicated time and piece together the bits of the history in one place that I can easily access, that's a great, to me, I don't know, is that an example of the kind of self-care stuff that you're definitely. talking about? Definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the other thing is, you know, if you were born prior to 1991, myself included, <laughs> that uh, we are unprotected, most of us against hepatitis B, um, you know, your children likely are already protected because since 1991, it was standard of care for infants to be vaccinated against hepatitis B. But then many adults are still kind of catching up on the on the vaccine. And, uh, you know, they, you can get that vaccine right now. So again, it's almost like, wait, did I, did I get that or not? And with this, it's pretty easy to just know when were you born? And if you were born prior to 1991, then you probably need to talk to a pharmacy near you to find out uh, where you can get the hepatitis B vaccine. The Haplosab B vaccine is actually the first and only hepatitis B vaccine. You can get it two doses in one month. It's really convenient. And, um, you know, it, it's a lot easier to, to do it that way to just figure out where, where you're going and, and how to do it. And so what do you say to folks? Cause if it, if it's, if it makes sense to have a little bit of a conversation about the way conversations about vaccines have changed since COVID, <laughs> um, right? Like this is not necessarily... I've noticed people having more outward hesitations or unclarity about vaccines. It's either some people are, it seems to me, and you would know far more about this than I, that some people are more than ever convinced that vaccines are the only thing that keep us healthy, and yet others are skeptical uh, about vaccines. In a nutshell, just reiterate the importance or how do you, what data do you use that highlights the importance of vaccines for these things for folks who are on the fence? So hepatitis B is something we've been vaccinating for against for, you know, over 30 years. It's not something new. It is standard of care, you know, for colleges, for hospitals, for, for everywhere. It's, it's pretty much standard, this vaccine. So uh, I would look at it a little bit different than say something newer or even a flu shot that you have to repeat and get every year if you're, you know, younger. Um, So definitely different. Hepatitis B is highly infectious. It's a hundred times more infectious than HIV. And most people who have hepatitis B are unaware that they have it. And so it can just spread unknowingly to others. Uh, and actually about two and a half million people in the United States have chronic hepatitis B and one in four will die from liver failure or liver cancer. There's no cure for hepatitis B. And the only way to um, prevent the disease is uh, effective vaccination. So, uh, you know, the vaccine, the haplosab B is available and very little minimal side effects, just some injection site pain or potentially uh, you know, a small headache or fatigue, but that's really 
that that's it. But we have been vaccinating, like I said, for more than 30 years against hepatitis B, and it's really the only way to um, prevent it. Super helpful <laughs> in terms of how that because it just I feel as if I'm having conversations um, about vaccines and 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 the pros and cons more um, than before. And I I'm a person who has very strong reactions to vaccines, so it's no, definitely. That. I mean, I think it's it's worth mentioning because I think post COVID, I mean, even if I can say the word COVID, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I just avoid even saying it because it's, you know, it's such a hot topic. But as a pharmacist, I I've seen you know a lot more hesitancy, definitely, and there is hesitancy, and there's reasons for the hesitancy. I mean, myself included, I. I you know, I, I have strong feelings um, one way, definitely on on that particular vaccine. But I think there are certain vaccines that I do feel that they've been around and we've, you know, tetanus, hepatitis, we've been polio, all, a lot of those that we've been doing forever and they've been working really well for us. And so uh, I do think those are are, are important and, and there's differences. And even with the flu shot every year, because then patients are asking, well, do I get the flu shot every year? Do I, you know, but it all goes back to um, preventative care and your risks and, and all of that. And with hepatitis B, it is uh, the best way to prevent hepatitis B. So in addition to learning, reminding ourselves, right, we've got tracking your medical history very clearly, um, so that hopefully there isn't a crisis or isn't a, like that happened for me recently where I had an allergic reaction. And again, was like, what? I don't know. When did I, huh? So, yeah. so like, nah, it was something they gave me, you know? And, and I, I hear it coming out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, Laura, like this is not helpful in order to get the best care that, that you deserve. You really need to be able to help the providers help you. Right. I mean, that's a part right. of the, the dialogue in terms of medical care for us is that you have to be able to help them help you with accurate history information with tracking that's the way you're going to get your mo the most back from the consultation with any helper or system or or role right. so so being informed and educated about the vaccines um tracking your medical data making sure that you're doing um the preventative care checkups that that um will can catch things early on so that you're at your your highest functioning health wise if you have a symptom not ignoring it uh and and yeah checking that yeah, that's out, right yeah definitely i think the other thing is just like relying on these internet searches and self-diagnosing i think it's important you definitely should be an advocate for yourself and and look into if you have if you feel a lump or what it is but i think really following through then so consulting with a healthcare professional for an accurate diagnosis so if you do feel something different making sure you know what the correct diagnosis is and the appropriate treatment and and following through whether it's for a new mental health issue or for an, a physical ailment that you're feeling or your stomach or, you know, just different things. So just really following through, not just Google searching and saying, you know what, I think I have this and I'm going to do this, but really um, ensuring that your diagnosis is correct, because I've seen a lot of that post COVID as well, where people are just like, I'm not going to go to anyone. I'm just going to do it all by myself. And, and then sometimes the problem gets a lot larger than it, than it needs to be, especially I've seen that with a, a breast cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And it's interesting too. like, I love, love the age of information that we are in and it's just expanding. And yeah, I spend a lot of time, even with kids as young as, you know, teens lately who come in and list their diagnoses, or their mental 
mental health diagnoses for me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, where did you get this assessment done? And, you know, <laughs> and then people have taken quizzes online as part of a Google search. Right? And I'm all about learning as much as you can. And yeah, there comes a point at which you really want to be able to the best way to help yourself and your provider is not to come to your conclusions. It's to keep track of what's happened in your history so that you can help folks piece together any new information. Um, what other ways do you see that the conversation in your group turns into like practical tips for, for mom? What are moms walk away with from being in community? Why is it helpful and what kind of tips do you share? I think figuring out where things are, I think this can translate to all Facebook communities or social media communities where even a local town one, you know, where can I get this or where, where can I go get this? And uh, I think for, you know, pharmacist moms, there's been a lot of benefit where they're, they're working in silo, a lot of them. So having professional advice outside of their pharmacy, so they might have be alone at the pharmacy or just working with one or two technicians. So then having another pharmacist where they can consult with that pharmacist. And I think it's important to just ask non-pharmacy related advice too. you know, like, where can I get this? Where, where can I purchase that? Or have you heard about this new, new medication and, or my husband has this issue or my friend has this issue or my son has this issue and please help. So it's kind of like this, just this network where you can communicate with everyone and, um, and really connect on a, on a different level. Yeah. There. And I think too, there's a, the support element of it for me, there's always a balancing Right. There's a balancing act where it is exactly that. Like, hey, I'm in Tallahassee. Where are their shin guards? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? For whatever that happens also. And then just the support of people feeling human in the midst of stuff and and having a community of folks that help us carry the weight of balancing, trying to manage um, work life kinds of things for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah, there's always a mixture of of um, the practical, tangible, and also um, just knowing you're not alone and balancing the the role of mom. What are what are some other things that you see people in your group do that helps them thrive in terms of prevention? So I think, uh, you know, creating schedules are important. I think making sure you have a schedule and that you know you're including yourself in that schedule. Knowing where to find information is critical. So a lot of times you might know you need to have something done, but you don't know where to find the information or how to find the information. So even thinking about the hepatitis B vaccine, you know, you go to the pharmacy, but now you're like, well, which pharmacy do I go to? How do I catch up on this? Where, where do I go? And there's actually a website, www.hepbcatchup.com that you can go to for, for just the hepatitis B vaccine, but knowing really where to find the information is critical. So do you find it uh, 
are there specific areas you can find it online or do you have to contact a friend? Do you ask a colleague really, where are you finding the information and then organizing your information is, is important as well. I think the other thing that um, is true with uh, preventative health is once it's done, then, you know, you're all, you're good for a little bit. So knowing then when you need to return, so whether it's every six months to the dentist or how often you you have to repeat a vaccine or how often you need to schedule your mammogram or your gynecologist visit, your pap smear, whatever it is, ensuring that you also know how often that needs to be done. So it's not just kind of, and, and some things are one and done, you, you know, like I said, this hapless FB, two doses over a month, you're kind of, you're one and done. But there's other things where you might have to repeat it every year, uh, you know, or every or even more often sometimes as well if there's a negative finding. So, right. So having like I'm sort of it's I hate I sort of feel delightfully nerdy even talking about like spreadsheets and calendar reminders. Yeah. and. <laughs> Right, they work. They They work. They really do. They do, like visual calendars and phone reminders, and like you know whether you're an old school whiteboard person or whether you have it in in some kind of spreadsheet with a. Because there will be two. There's just for most of us, there ends up a point at which the the there's a tipping point at which we cannot track uh, the information. for ourselves as well as other people. What do you say to women who need reminders? Like, what do you, there is this core, there is, like, how do we, well, let me just say, and this is for folks raising all kids, for for our daughters and our sons, like, how do we get better at having the, the conversations and modeling for our kids that we don't have to feel guilty when we need to put ourselves first, that it isn't selfish, right? Like, how do you walk that line of like, self-care is not selfish, it's survivalist, and it is better for everybody. How do we get better at modeling that for our kids? I think that's a great question. I think all moms struggle with this, no matter where you are in your life, it's all of a sudden your, your child could call, you know, when they're an infant, they're, they need you. Then you might, I mean, I know my son's 14 and he's still calling me, Oh mom, I forgot this at home. Can you drop it off at school? And, you know, I need help with that. So I think, uh, knowing that putting yourself first is not selfish. I think that's critical. I think if you, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. And I think a lot of times women, and even as young girls, we're just taught like, people, please, please, please. And, and we're not uh, uh, taught to kind of listen to our own needs. So I think that that's number one is really understanding that it's not selfish. I think it's important to identify our needs, sometimes just sitting in silence and understanding what your needs are. So it can include maybe not getting enough sleep or not eating healthy foods or not exercising regularly, or just even doing something you enjoy, like painting or watching Netflix, whatever it might be that you really like to do, identifying what your needs are. And then those will in turn help you feel more happy and healthy and also, um, not feel as guilty because then you're understanding, well, I I need this for myself. I want to exercise. I need to exercise to be there for my kids. I will get sick less. I won't have a cold. You know, my immune system will be stronger. So let me put in the time this morning, even if it's 10 minutes just to move my body. I, I think that is really important. I think a lot of times parents have to just say no 
as well. Eventually, as you get older, you realize like you need to say no and it's okay to say no to people, even if they're close family or friends and you're not obligated to do everything that, you know, everyone asks or of you. And I think that's critical as well. And not even to be afraid of whomever it could be your partner that's asking you uh, for help. So you really need to make sure that you have time for yourself so that you can give of yourself. And I, I know for some people it can be challenging, but uh, you have to do it. And I think that's really the only, the only way you'll, you will get better is you have to try to do it. And then once you do it once, it's, it's kind of like the first time you leave your, your infant, you feel really bad and you're like, Oh my God, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. And then after you do it, you're like, okay, I needed that break. I needed that time away. Yeah. And we come and we just come back more balanced. I mean, I hear a ton of folks yeah. when I'm looking at self-care. I hear people, I don't, I, I just don't have the time to exercise exactly. I'm like, I get it. I hear myself saying that. What if, you know, how do we, it's, it's practice. It's, it's getting away from good habits. And then instead of beating yourself up and exacerbating that, like bouncing back and saying, okay, right. It starts today with the choice I make to take the 10 minutes and walk instead of scroll. Um, exactly. To, or to, scroll and walk, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. try to combine, combine the two. And I think talking to other mothers is helpful or other parents, you know, about their experiences with self-care and guilt and understanding you're not alone. That feeling guilty is normal. It's okay. And, you know, looking at almost even the root cause of the guilt. So just kind of developing strategies to cope with your root cause of why you're feeling guilty is, is also important. So it could be something, you know, definitely from childhood or something way back when that you, that you might be struggling to manage guilt in general or setting up boundaries with others in general. So I think that's important too. And knowing that it's healthy for our children to see us more balanced and to not see us, you know, constantly just give, 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 give and seeing us more grounded is, is important too, that our children will see us in, in a better way. And I think that's so right to, to be able to model that for folks where you're not apologizing or, or feeling guilty or saying I shouldn't have, or I don't have time, you know, like the number of times that parents, we, me say out loud, I don't I wish I could go do that, you know, like stuff that yeah. happens with with our kids that instead if we're saying, actually, I'm going to take this time for me and I'll be back and whatever. And, and, you know, yeah. And hopefully, and if we can, sh it's funny that we have to come up with ways to make it work for other people, or it's a valuable lesson for our kids. And that's why we should take care of ourselves. It's still like, ah, that we still want to yeah. make it relative to our kids' wellness. But if that's what it takes to get you modeling, cause I'm always amazed, you know, as somebody who works with lots of families, right? Like I'm amazed at, at the number of, uh, for instance, parents who or spouses who will lament the fact that their that their partner doesn't do a lot independently for themselves and then continue to do everything for their children. So they're raising people who are going to be partners that don't do anything to help in their household. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's just a repeated, a repeated pattern. Too. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. being able to put yeah. words to it, right? Like I'm taking, yeah, I'm doing this to stay healthy. So because health matters, my health matters and I can show up, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, longevity is, is tied to the single most important factor with longevity is exercise. Exercise is better than any medication you put in your body, any vitamin, any. I mean, the data shows time and time again. And and if anything, just if you want to live, you know, to raise your kids past their 15th birthday, they, that's the new the new slogan I've been hearing, you know, is to really 
uh, exercise. That's that's the goal. Wow, I hadn't heard it said that 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 directly. I mean, I'm a movement nut myself, and I need to do it for mental health as well. But and it's hard. It can be. It really can be very hard to get buy in from folks around that if you don't happen to you know, have a need to move the way I do. It's not something that has historically brought you joy. Exactly. I think one of the things that we talked about is, can you meet a friend? If you're going to meet for coffee, can you walk for 25 minutes and drink the exactly. coffee? Can you walk it to yeah. a coffee shop with a friend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like... Park far when you get there, <laughs> park in the last spot and just walk. And um, all of that movement helps. And it really, it helps to improve our, our longevity, our, our well-being, all, all of that is is tied together with with the exercise. Awesome. So how do folks find you? Thank you for this conversation so far. What's the easiest way for folks to find more about what you're doing in community and more helpful tips that you have? Sure. So they can find me. On, I'm on Instagram. I'm on a lot of social media platforms. So Instagram at Dr. Suzanne Solomon. I'm also on TikTok and LinkedIn. So that's probably the easiest way to find me on, on any of those places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I can't stress enough how important these ongoing nudges, right? Again, it's not, I think what I keep coming back to is we all stray from what we know is, is ideal. And, and these continued conversations hopefully help people just bounce back, just exhale, you know, acknowledge if they've neglected some part of their wellness and then one day at a time, just show up to be able to prioritize that for ourselves and our kids. So thank you for being part of that conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch, and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, on Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places, and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today. <laughs>